Hosanna. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna! It's great to be here with you today on this Palm Sunday at Saints Peter and Paul. Uh, I've always loved Palm Sunday, in part for the fanfare, the excitement, uh, the kind of buzz that there is, uh, especially on a Confirmation Sunday when you got seven kids who are ready to confirm their faith in this same King Jesus. This Jesus who uh, we just heard read for us, uh, a trod into Jerusalem on a donkey, and who still continues to, to trod into the hearts of men and women around the world, changing lives, as I recently read in a newsletter uh, article. It's good to be here today. Hosanna! Hosanna. <laughs> That's, we're done for a while. Put your, put your palms down. Although I'm going to pick mine back up because it, it must have been a wonder to have been there, right? A marvel to have been in Jerusalem surrounding this man, Jesus, with the palm branches as this very Son of God rode into his hometown, as it were. Jerusalem, the holy city where two decades earlier he had sat as a young man in his father's house in the temple, right? Same age as you guys. Blowing away the elders with his knowledge of God the Father and of his kingdom. And now here he comes all these years later and he's a grown man and he's still teaching about the kingdom of God. But now he's actually bringing that kingdom of God into this earth, breaking into this world, that kingdom that he taught so much about. And he rides in in majesty as they wave. And Matthew, the gospel writer, we've been tracking with him this entire season of Lent. So over the last several weeks, we've been reading this particular gospel. When Matthew gets to this section, he is hyping us up. He wants us to feel the excitement that's going on in Jerusalem, showing how this Jesus movement had grown and grown. Take a look. We'll throw it up on the screen for you. Look at the progress of Matthew's gospel. It started in this section just talking about the disciples, but now he goes to talk about the crowd. It says most of the crowd, and in Greek it actually says the great crowd. So there's this big, great crowd, this herd of people around Jesus. And they spread their cloaks on the road, most of that huge crowd. But then look, it's not just a crowd anymore. It says, and the crowds. That word went from singular to plural. It's not just one giant crowd. There's people behind Jesus waving their branches. There's a whole crowd in front of Jesus dancing their way into the city. The crowds that went before him and that followed him, that were all shouting, Hosanna! And when he entered Jerusalem... It's no longer a crowd or some crowds. It's the whole city. The whole city was stirred up. The Greek word there means to agitate, to, to put into a state of commotion, 
to stir up. And why shouldn't they be? Right? This is Jesus, the one who had healed the, the lame and the sick and the blind. This is Jesus who had dumbfounded the brightest of the bright and yet was so tender and so kind to those who were lowly and meek and poor. This is Jesus who had resurrected even those who were already dead and who had come with a promise that all who followed him would receive life, and life to the fullest, life to the brim. That kind of news can shake a person up. But just because something gets hyped, it doesn't mean it's going to last, right? You guys remember fidget spinners? Looking at you guys. Yeah, I heard some last. Yeah, Grant remembers fidget spinners. Do you, guys, do you guys have a fidget spinner? Anybody have a fidget spinner with them today? You got a fidget spinner? Pastor Aaron's got a couple of fidget spinners in his office. Do people still use fidget spinners in school? No, not so much. But they were the, everyone was using those things. They were everywhere, right? In my day, it was yo-yos, right? And I used to be able to uh, do that cradle trick. I don't know. I can't do it with this palm in my hand, but you, you get the string and you get the yo-yo and it kind of dangles, right? I haven't seen a yo-yo in way too long. I need a yo-yo in my life. But it's not just trinkets and toys, right, that are trends. It's people, too. I mean, how many uh, celebrities have we seen who amassed followers on Facebook and Twitter whose names today are just irrelevant? You know, we've forgotten completely. Raise your palm. Raise your palm if you know who Kate Bush is. Maybe out there know Kate Bush. Oh, all right, there's a hand. Yeah, rock on. Okay, if you know Kate Bush, I want your palm in the air or hand. Not many, not many. Raise your hand if you only know Kate Bush. Keep it up. Keep it up if you only know Kate Bush because of the show Stranger Things. Okay, yeah, uh, a couple hands went down. Most of us, we still got our palms in the air because she's got one song, Running Up the Hill or whatever. It was in that Stranger Things show. Uh, you know, Running Up the Hill. That's all the singing I'll do today. Um, it's got like a billion views. It's got a billion listens practically on Spotify. And the rest of her songs have nothing. Why? Well, because no one knows who Kate Bush is. She was from the 80s. She wasn't that big then, right? In, in this room today, she's still not, not very big, even with a billion listens. Think about any election, right? Any uh, a party, political party, and their supposed candidate, right? Before any election, what's going on, right? They're stirred up. There's a buzz, they say, we got to get our guy in office. If we get our guy in, things are going to get better. Things are going to finally change. All oh, the problems we've been dealing with, once we get our guy in office, that's all going to smooth out. What happens after they get in office? <laughs> the buzz, it fades, right? It fades. So will it last? Will it last? Well, not for Jesus. Not this week. Not in the holy city. Jesus had already been rejected in his hometown as it was uh, supposed to be a Nazareth, right? 
that city of Nazareth, but here in his true hometown, in Jerusalem, the city where God had dwelt, had made his personal presence dwell for millennia for the people of Israel. Those same words that Jesus spoke in Nazareth are going to ring true again. No prophet is without honor except in his hometown. For by the end of the week, the hype is going to fade. Jesus is going to lose all his followers. They're all going to abandon him or reject him. The city is going to be stirred up, but this time by the religious leaders, those who who make a mockery of who Jesus is, who, who stir up the crowd into a mob, saying that this man has come to threaten the people's way of life, the way that they could live it without him. Jesus will get canceled. He'll get crucified. May his blood be on us and our children. The mob will holler out, rejecting the king that they once lauded and praised. And what of today? What happens when we move from Palm Sunday to Good Friday? What happens when the voices of the community encouraging us to follow this king, what happens when those voices start to dwindle and fade? What happens after the excitement of Confirmation Sunday? When you guys leave this time in your life, when you've been walking together as a community all this time, what happens when you move on into the next season? What happens when we move from Sunday to Monday? What does our following of Jesus look like when the voices start to stir? Because make no mistake, the voices still stir in the world today. What will you do? You saw in our text how Jesus, on Palm Sunday, when he told his disciples to go get a donkey, you know, from God knows who in the city, they didn't ask questions. It says they did as Jesus had directed them. They did as Jesus had directed them. If only they could have kept that up the rest of the week, right? What will you do when the voices start to stir? Will you do as Jesus has directed you? What about when the culture starts pressing down on you? When the culture raises its voice and and tells you to follow an alternative notion of your human sexuality, one that doesn't run consistent with how God has laid it out, how he has designed it to run. When you feel yourself wanting to pursue that relationship that you know is not God-pleasing, but the world says to you, oh, don't listen to those Christians, they're so archaic. They're just trying to threaten your way of life. When they say, you deserve it. You deserve to have that love that you want. Go out and chase. To to really be free is to gratify your desires. When it whispers slyly to you, oh, the heart wants what it wants. When the culture stirs up your heart, what will you do? Will you do as as Jesus directed you? 
when your children are provoking you to anger, when you feel your heart stirred by what seems to be just the constant, deliberate breaking of your instructions to your kids again and again when you have told them so many times how things are supposed to go. Will we heed as fathers and mothers the words of Ephesians 6 that tell us, fathers, don't provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord? Will our parenting be modeled by our discipline and instruction of the Lord? Will we model ourselves after our patient father, not shying away from what is good and right, but not caving to that, those voices that stir up inside us? Or, or will we cave instead into a shouting match with our children? trying to will them into submission. Will you do as Jesus has directed you? Who is king of your heart when the weekend rolls around, another Saturday rolls around, and, and, and Sundays just, you know, it's on the cusp, another chance to hear from the king. But then all those voices inside of us start to stir Right? And they say things like, oh, come on, you've had a tough week. Everybody else is out, hanging out, having fun, staying up late. Come on, why don't you do that too? You deserve it. You deserve a break. You don't need to go gather with those people. I mean, you'll be fine for one week, two weeks, two months. Will you do as Jesus has directed you? No. Not always. You won't. And, and certainly, most definitively, you will not do what Jesus has directed you to do by your own strength, by your own will, or trying, you know, mustering up your faith. I don't know if we got any seventh graders in the room, but we were looking at the key to this the other week, right? The key that Jesus shared with his disciples in the garden. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So what do you do when you find yourself in that spot? When you have distanced yourself like the disciples from Jesus, when you have abandoned or turned your back on your Savior, or what's to be done to those who we feel are fading away from the Jesus movement, those we care about in our lives? What's to be done for them? Remember why they were stirred up in the first place. Remember who this is. Who is this Jesus? You, you see, this confirmation, these seven students are going to confirm their faith. The rest of us need to be confirming our faith on a regular basis. Answering that question, who is Jesus? The whole city was stirred up, wondering, who is this Jesus? We need to confirm our faith like these seven. Who is Jesus? He's the king. He's the king who, when the disciples were asked to go into town, they didn't question. They did as they were directed. Why? Because he's the good king. And the disciples knew that. They trusted that. 
They trusted that his ways were actually better for them, that they were good for them, that if they followed them, they would follow Jesus to true life. The disciples were right to follow him. What happened from Sunday to Friday? How could the disciples forget who Jesus was? How do we forget? But look, on Good Friday, the disciples are still doing what Jesus had expected them to do. That same night in the garden, Jesus had made this statement. He said, you will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. This didn't catch Jesus off guard. He wasn't perplexed by it. He wasn't shocked that they had turned their backs or been away from him. They knew, he knew that it was coming. Jesus knows his sheep. But we need to remember who he is. Remember who Jesus is. Jesus is the king, but he's the king who deliberately chose to ride into Jerusalem on a donkey. Uh, in that time, in that place, in that context, in the ancient Near East, a, a king entered cities riding on a war horse in order to convey military power. Uh, particularly when they were entering cities they, they had recently conquered, you know, where their rule might have been thought as illegitimate or maybe out, uh, outright contested. The exception to this rule was when a king entered into his home town, into his capital city. Then a king rode in on a donkey as a benevolent king. The good king, the king that he knew the people would trust and adore and love and worship. You see, Jesus has, he has not come to overpower you by his will, by sheer force. Jesus has not come to cajole you into submission, into living according to his ways. That's not what he's about. Does Jesus have that power? Yeah, he does. How many times did the disciples themselves see the lion's heart of Jesus? They saw Jesus stand up to oppressive regimes with confidence, with ferocity. They saw Jesus standing true in his righteousness even when the whole city was stirred up against him. But how did Jesus come to his disciples after they had abandoned him, after they had rejected him? came as a lamb. He, he, he came as the humble king, in weakness, lowly, riding on a donkey, but who transforms those who come to him to find their life. And do you know what happens when those disciples who had abandoned and rejected Jesus meet him again and see that love for the depth that it is? Those same cowering disciples, afraid of the world, locked in a door, right, in a house by themselves. When we get to the book of Acts, we read something very different about what's going on in the ministry of Jesus. Take a look at this verse from Acts chapter 17. It says, these men, this is people complaining about the followers of Jesus, these same disciples, these men who have turned the world, who have upside down have come here, I think Yoda, this might have been, this is me, I wrote this slide. 
I can't do it in a Yoda voice, so I'm going to try it by my best memory. These men who have come here, who are acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying there's another King Jesus, oh, it's in white. Those missing words are in white. This is why I'm not in design, graphic design, not my thing. It's no longer a crowd, a crowd or crowds or a city. Those words you can't see say these men who have turned the world upside down. Now, literally, have they turned the world upside down? Well, not, not quite yet. The world as they knew it, for sure. And certainly looking forward to a future reality where the gospel goes to the end of the earth. But why had that happened? Because they had encountered a superhuman love that had overpowered them. They weren't willed into submission. They were wooed into submission. They they weren't willed into living according to Jesus' ways. They were wooed into living according to his ways. So what do you and I do when we find ourselves away from Jesus? When we find ourselves in that moment where we have not heeded what Jesus has asked us to do? When we have not done what, what he has directed us to do? Don't cower in a room by yourself away from Jesus. Just go to him. Go to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus who, who came in weakness so that he could lift us up in power, actually. The power that these disciples are displaying. Power over those very weaknesses that took us away from Jesus to begin with. The Spirit is willing. Our flesh is weak. God's Spirit is willing. Come back to Jesus. Come back to the King who gave the people what they wanted. May His blood be on us and our children. And thank God it is. Today, you seven get to taste and see that the Lord is good. As you confirm your faith this day, and as all of us, are pushed to confirm our faith each day. Remember who it is you're confirming your faith in. It's Jesus the King. It's Jesus the humble King. And it's Jesus the faithful King who will remain faithful to, to his vow to you even when we have abandoned or rejected or turned away from him. Jesus will never stop wooing you back to himself that he might forgive us restore us, and embolden us by His Spirit to turn our worlds upside down, to shut off and shut down those voices that stir out there and in here, to turn them down so we could hear the voice of the King beckoning us back, guiding us into eternal peace. Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Amen.